conversation is it, it, that whole franchise. Wait two weeks. Wait to see what that roster is going to look like in two weeks. It's abysmal. Yeah, that trade deadline's coming up, and yeah. there will be no, some you're, changes. They're, they're I just gonna, told them, I said, it's almost nice that Trey's out because you get 35 from DeJounte last night, and it's like, hey, Price all, is all, going of sudden, up. all of a yeah. sudden that looks a lot For better. Sure. <laughs> yeah, in terms of, in terms of uh, moving him. Yeah, in terms of, of trade value, it's like, hey, man, 35 tonight. And in, in L.A., which is where right. he's going to probably yeah. end up. Yeah. Anyway, Drew Butler's here. we got a lot going on. I promise you a fun couple hours. And uh, listen, I think Mark Zeno's in my seat tomorrow. So, everybody take a deep breath. The Zen, the zen House, we're calling it. I'm the Zen up, House. Yeah, the Zen, the zen House tomorrow. That's coming up. That's going to do it for us here on the morning shift. Steakhouse is next on Sports Radio 92 Night of the Game. Get ready, get ready, get ready for the Steakhouse. You're about to experience the fastest two hours in radio history. With Steve Shabiro. We've been doing this a long time, and I know what you're thinking. You're so youthful and relevant. The young people come to you in droves. Sandra Golden. I know! And little did we know it meant two different things. Rusty Menzel. You don't treat people that way and make Rusty rocks. And Drew Butler. What are you going to say when it happens that I'm the man? Give it to me, give it to me, give it to me. It's the Steakhouse. Brought to you by John Foy and Associates. On Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. And welcome to Tuesday morning. Drew Butler, it's been a few weeks, been a minute. How are you? Good to see you. Man, it's been uh, it's been a long time. Great to be back with you. Bunch to talk about, obviously. Falcons still searching for their head coach, the Hawks. I have no idea what to even say about the Atlanta Hawks. And conference championship this weekend, which is one of my favorite weekends of the year. Yeah, you know, it was many years ago. And I will say this, I, as, I, as I've told you many times, um, or I've said on the air many times, I, I'm not, there's many things I'm not good at. Um, surprisingly, I'm not a great cook, right? As I, eat, I, I do well at restaurants, though. Yeah. I need to be a better chef. Um, I'm not going to be good if you have an engine light on in your car. Not the person to turn to. Um, I'll take a shot of, of, you know, fixing stuff around the house, but it's probably not going to end well. So I know my limitations. Light bulbs, batteries, those kind of things. I, mean, I can handle a light bulb, <laughs> yeah, 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 but I mean anything past that. But anyway, but but I do understand promotions and marketing and having uh, run that radio station, 790 The Zone, for 17 years. And I remember walking into a meeting to say, we need a major station event that we can make some money with, um, sell sponsorships. And Super Bowl Sunday is not the day. You're not leaving your wife. You're not leaving the neighborhood. You're not just going to say Super Bowl Sunday. Too many things going on. Yeah, it's it's like a national holiday, but it's done with family and friends and everything else. I said the best day of football is AFC NFC Championship. I agree. That that's the best day of football of the year. It's seven or eight hours. Nobody owns that day. And I remember saying seven ninety the zone. We're going to own that day. And I'm I, I said this, and I asked this to group. There's five things that have to go into a great promotion for men. Mm-hmm. Okay? Can you give me a few of the things? If you're going to go to a promotion, what do you need to have in a promotion? Booze. Alcohol, yes. Food. Great food, too, yes. Scantily clad women. Number three. <laughs> uh, music and sports. Uh, there you go. Yeah. So You've so, told me that before. Okay, so, I, I have the receipts of that conversation. So any combination of alcohol, food, sports, Gambling, I said, okay, not yes. music, and women. Although we did have music, and we did have Jeff Foxworthy one year do stand up in between the AFC and NFC games. 
poor guy had to be in the middle of that, and that was was way too much going on. Like it was <laughs> it was a tough crowd. So like I, I said, let's do AFC NFC and let's do all that. And and back then you could get away with a lot more in like promotions. We had a touchdown takeoff thing where we hired girls every time someone scored a touchdown, they'd have to take off a piece of clothing. <laughs> I kid you. You not, could get dude. away with a little bit more debauchery. Dude, that was at the old East Andrews, which was a huge Jeez. and then eventually got so big this event we started having at the tabernacle. Touchdown takeoff. Touchdown takeoff, right? I had to tell one of our I can't fly in twenty twenty four. No, Mitch Evans, I said, Mitch you need to get away from the stage, and you could not be reaching out to the women like <laughs> on they're on. But then eventually it got so big, we went to, I don't know, Dave, have you heard of this stuff before? We ended up at the Tabernacle with four or 5,000 people. Wow. When the Falcons played the Eagles in the NFC title game in Philadelphia. Is that 2003, yeah. Jim Moore Jr.? Uh, yeah. Is that what it? Three or four? Work yeah, done. Yeah, that sounds Mike right. Mike Vick, work done yeah. on the road at Philly. So, like, AFC-NFC championship until we came up with March Madness at the Cheetah. Again, back to the, <laughs> you know, back to the same uh, marketing ideals. But but those parties were huge. And we had gambling. We brought in blackjack uh, dealers and we had, you know, fake chips and all that stuff. But, like, that's just the day where, like, you tell the wife, I'm going to watch football for seven hours. You don't do that on Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah. So I, I give myself credit in realizing that's a window. That day of football is is the best day of football because you're getting to see who's in the Super Bowl. So my son has a basketball tournament playoffs on Sunday, 5 o'clock. Oh. I'm going to be a bad dad. Yeah, yeah. You're not going. you got to work on Monday. Yeah, you got to understand yeah. what's going on yeah. during the games. Your son's a baller, though, too, right? He, he, he thinks You sent me those videos. How old is he? He's 13 now. He's doing pretty good. Yeah. He's doing pretty good. I'm so, not going to lie. I'll All give right. you a little bit more credit as well before we hit 9 at 9. Jackie and I binge-watched The Bear. Yeah. Phenomenal series. Yeah. So good. Season two especially, right? Really, really spectacular. Yeah, there's some uh so that did really well uh, last Crushed week everything. Did I tell you go home and watch it? Yes, multiple times. Okay. For the last eight months or so. And you guys loved it? Loved it. Okay. All right. So now that we've pat uh, now I've patted myself on the back <laughs> and he did the same. The show is off to a great start, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Time to build the foundation of today's show with the top nine at nine. Nine. On the Steakhouse. Sports Radio 92.9, the game. In between games, we had a bikini contest. Going back to that for a second. $5,000 prize or something insane. There were like 80 girls from the entire Southeast that were coming. Was Mike Bell there? Dude, Mike Bell (laughs) hosted it every single year. Mike Bell hosted it every single year. Anyway, what's our 9 and 9? The Hawks, not good. They're out on their West Coast swing right now. Last night, they lose to the Sacramento Kings, 122-107, to 107, as we just talked about it in the past around there with Mike Johnson. DeJounte Murray, 35 points, 10 rebounds, 6 assists. Their next game stake at Golden State on Wednesday. They got the Warriors twice in the next couple of weeks. They got the Celtics coming up. They have um, a nasty stretch. There's seven games under right now. Seven games under 500, um, and and it's a tough spot for everybody over there. It's tough for their owner to watch. It's tough for uh, Quinn Snyder because he can't get these guys to play any defense, and uh, it's tough for Trey Young, who is having a absolutely spectacular season. Yes, and the biggest conversation in that building is how do we keep Trey Young and his group happy with Quinn Snyder and the Hawks because. He's about to get, that team is about to get 
torn apart, essentially. Do you think there's any feeling that Trey Young is reaching the boiling point of maybe saying, I want to be elsewhere? Because last year it was, hey, should we deal Trey? And he's saying, I want to stay in Atlanta. Well, you know, the good news is his camp hasn't put that out. Right. It's very clear in the NBA. Once your camp puts that That's out, correct. then the wheels are in motion. The one thing we know is that Trey Young likes Quinn Snyder more than any coach he's had, and that that relationship is solid, right? Um, and Quinn has worked on that to make sure that Trey has that feeling about him. Uh, but I will tell you this. Trey Young, you don't build a legacy unless you're in meaningful playoff games. That's right. ask, ask Joel Embiid, who needs to find a way to get over the hump in the Eastern Conference, who went for 70 last night. 70-7-0. Joel Embiid dropped 70 points in a 133-123 win over the San Antonio Spurs. Ninth player in NBA history to score 70 points breaks Wilt Chamberlain's 76ers single-game record of 68 points. An even crazier stake yesterday, 18 years to the day, when Kobe Bryant dropped 81 on the Toronto Raptors. And up in Minnesota, Carl Anthony Towns goes for 62 points in a 128-125 loss to the Hornets. It was funny. My uh, my little man says, Daddy, take guess how many points Carl Anthony Towns now has after three quarters. And I was like, what has he got, 30? No, Dad. Higher. 40? Higher. 50? Higher. I was like, what <laughs> is in the water in <laughs> yeah. the NBA? Crazy. Then I look at the statue. Carl Anthony Towns had drilled 10 threes. By the time the third quarter was over, he only ends up with 62, and that sounds crazy. Anyway, for a wild night in the NBA. What else we can tell you about NFL? Yeah, Atlanta Falcons, Ryan Nielsen, first-year defensive coordinator. He's heading down to Jacksonville. He'll be their new defensive coordinator. I think the writing was on the wall here. We'll talk about that in a little bit. And in the head coaching search news, the Falcons have requested a second interview with Ravens defensive coordinator Mike McDonald, who was a graduate assistant when I was at Georgia, a great guy, and also – a second interview requested for associate head coach Anthony Weaver of the Baltimore Ravens. Drew, I I, I got to tell you. What are they doing? I don't understand. Can I go interview? How many guys I put out on Twitter yesterday. They've interviewed everybody but my buddy Howard at Goldberg's on <laughs> Roswell Road. Uh, and he'll probably be in later on in, uh, this week. Howard is the guy who runs the the deli I go to. Um, I, I don't know what the point is of this much conversation. I mean, this is there's a level of learning about your team and having guys talk about how you get a quarterback and interviewing if it's Belichick for the for the heir apparent that maybe you bring in and you have that um, what they did with Gerard Mayo where you say you're going to be the successor, but like twenty interviews, twenty five interviews, like what's going on? I think it's very clear at this point that the Falcons are going in one of two directions: Bill Belichick. Or Jim Harbaugh. So, so why are you having multiple interviews with other guys? Why are you interviewing literally every candidate on the board? To I keep mean, your options open because simply put, there's seven spots I understand, available but it's like right now. There's a point in the building. Are you even hearing the guys at, at a certain – I'm like, they're just rolling through every single name. Is Terry right? Fontenot involved in any of these interviews? No, he's definitely – he's the guy involved, him and Rich McKay. There's no question Terry Fontenot's in the interview – and that Rich is and, and their committee. Question is, how much is Arthur Blank involved in these interviews? And other than Harbaugh and Belichick, I wouldn't think too many, right? No, and, and those are the two that I would want. And I think depending on the decision you make, this franchise is headed in two very different directions.
What did you say about Mike McDonald, by the way? Graduate assistant at the University of Georgia when I was there. Great guy. Yeah. Phenomenal coach. Also leads. His ascension through the coaching ranks is spectacular. you got to give me that. Absolutely. Uh, also lead singer of the Doobie Brothers. That is correct. Michael McDonald as we go to break. When we come back, what do we got? Drew Butler has the best case scenario of quarterback and head coach. And you know how Tampa ended up two wins away from the Super Bowl? Drew's going to tell us Falcons could be two wins away from the Super Bowl, win the NFC South in a playoff game. But you got to get quarterback A, coach A, put them together. We're on our way. Steak and Drew, fastest two hours in radio. This is the Steakhouse, Sports Radio 92.9. GA now back to more of the Steakhouse. Cool. Yes, yes, yes. On Sports Radio 92.9, the game. She said it's cold outside. 923 Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. The 9 o'clock hour on this particular radio program has a sponsor, Advanced Hair Restoration. One-day treatment, life-changing results, advancedhair.com. It may be too late for me. It's not too late for you. Thanks so much for being with us. Follow us on social, at Drew Butler, at Steak Shapiro. A brand-new cheeseburger review yesterday on my social. Where'd you go? Went to Chattahoochee Food Works. Okay. Where our offices are. Yep, been there. And uh, there's a place called Patty and Frank's in there. A phenomenal burger spot. Went and reviewed it yesterday, um, and uh, I had I had a I had a helper with me because otherwise I'm hammering at 11 a.m. a double cheeseburger with extra onions. I mean, it's not the way to start your Monday when you're trying to get back on track, yeah. right? After being away, but if you want to see some some meaningful commentary on Bill Belichick and you want to see a meaningful cheesesteak, follow us or follow me on social media at Steak Shapiro. Drew Butler, what have you been spending the majority of your time on social? You're talking NIL lately. You're talking Georgia. You're talking uh, Georgia, NFL. NFL, NIL, certainly. Golf is back in the mix as well, which is always fun. I had more people talk about that golf story yesterday. Like, I had as many people talking about the kid who won from Alabama, right? Nick Dunlap, 20 years old, amateur. And it's $1.7 million that That goes to number two. That's right. You cannot cannot retroactively declare pro. So if you start a golf tournament as an amateur and you end up winning it, which has not happened since 1991, this kid did it. He has to forego $1.5 million. However... He does get a two-year exemption on tour. He does get a master's invite. If he wanted to turn pro this week, he's got a full schedule set for him for the next two wow. years. No amateur has won a tournament since 1991. Phil Mickelson. You know what's fascinating about it is he Jeez. won the American Express out in Palm Springs, but what is permissible now, and I don't know if this will happen or not, American Express could certainly sign Nick Dunlap, a college golfer, to an NIL deal and just pay him $1.5 million. I talked to some folks who were at that tournament. That sounds like quite the scene. Well, you know, it used to be the Bob Hope Chrysler Classic, a big West Coast pro-am. Um, I know for know a fact that. Ed Bastian played out there this past week. A bunch of other CEOs yes. are out there spending time, and I'm sure the networking that goes on between the golf community and the business community is is a great one. So he's sure. in for the Masters for two years. Nick Dunlap. He's in for the ma- he's in for the Masters this year, this April. 
because of the win. Because he won on the PGA Tour. Yeah. Anyway, great great stuff. Follow Drew Butler along as well. And as I follow Drew Butler along, you have to follow his thoughts on the Atlanta Falcons. Nobody, I'll say two things. Nobody was probably tougher on Arthur Smith than Drew Butler, and nobody probably got it more accurate than Drew Butler, who I kept coming in here and saying we're going to win the division. I kept coming in here and saying, like, you know, we're going to be fine. We're going to host a home playoff game. I kept coming in here and saying there is light at the end of the tunnel, and you said it's not going to happen, and you put it on Arthur Smith and where the franchise was, essentially, and, of course, the quarterback situation as well. And Arthur Smith is not given another chance. So now where is your head in terms of the Atlanta Falcons and the decisions they're about to make? We'll just back up for a second. The reason I was so critical of Arthur Smith is the way that I saw the Falcons come out, essentially, each and every week, to me, showed a lack of leadership and or a lack of preparation, which ultimately comes down to coaching. And what I mean by that, Falcons were a terrible first-half team. What I mean by that, Falcons never had three consecutive wins in the Arthur Smith tenure. What I mean by that, situational football, end of half, end of game, they'd turn the ball over, they'd never get it across the finish line. You just never felt like the Falcons took advantage of opportunities within games that then at the end of the game you could point back to and say, that decision right there helped them win that football game. The writing was on the wall. They didn't have a quarterback all season long, and I think you could easily point to the fact that Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot convinced Rich McKay and Arthur Blank, Desmond Ritter is our guy heading into the 2023 season, in which we all knew the NFC South was wide open, which it did end up being the worst division in NFL history from a winning percentage perspective. Yeah, and the the painful thing is Philadelphia was ripe for the taking. So – Tampa Bay ends up two wins from the Super Bowl and really was playing, you know, uh, neck and neck with the Lions. And you sit back and go, you know, that's the beauty of the NFL. They went on a run at the end of the year. They won six of their last seven, Tampa Bay. And I I love the way you put it. At some point, there's a meeting with your 81-year-old owner where across the table, Arthur Smith says, in a year that was the most critical for the Falcons, fans were over it. Five straight losing seasons. Didn't have any cap space. Cap hell with Julio and Matt Ryan, all that stuff. Now we're free. Arthur says, this this year is critical for us. And they say, we have a plan. That plan is Desmond Ritter. Yeah, you live and die with your quarterback. Obviously, the loss at Carolina late in the season when your playoff hopes are right there. That kills. Then you go to Chicago, playoff hopes still alive, you get blown out, and then you lose. Who was the last game they lost to? New Orleans. Oh, my God. Just the worst game of the year. And, by the way, Arthur said it at the press conference, the gap between expectation and performance, particularly offensively, you sign your whole offensive line, you draft B. John Robinson, and you don't hit 30 points the entire season. Mm. You never see a 30. All right, what's the formula to get into the playoffs, and to feel like the franchise is on the right track. So you and I were on the morning after Arthur Smith was let go, which was around midnight that Sunday night of the New Orleans Yeah, that's the last time we worked together. I said it immediately, and I believe you agreed with me. The Falcons have to hire a head coach who has been a head coach, somebody with NFL head coaching experience. Given the talent or the roster that they have right now in Flowery Branch, But ultimately, it came down to two names, which you and I said in the first 12 hours, Jim Harbaugh and Bill Belichick. I think the decision that Arthur Blank and Rich McKay and Terry Fontenot are now making between Jim Harbaugh 
and Bill Belichick is we're going one of two ways. Win now or build and we have a future. If Bill Belichick convinces Arthur Blank, Rich McKay, and Terry Fontenot that he's the guy, the Falcons are pushing their chips in the table, and you have a three-year window to go win now. Obviously, Bill Belichick has to convince these guys that he has a quarterback to come along with him. I think Bill Belichick and Kirk Cousins is, is, a, is a good fit. I really do feel like that would be a good fit for a three-year window because just a warning to all Falcons fans, if you get Belichick and Kirk Cousins in three years or less, we're right back to where we are right now. What about Justin Fields? Who is not going to take you and cost you forty million? Right? What's Kirk Cousins going to cost you? Forty million dollars? Yeah, and that'll be Some, fully guaranteed. Right. He's not going to sign any deal that's not fully guaranteed. So Justin Fields is still got two years in his rookie deal, essentially. Um, can you trade away the number eight pick? Go get Justin Fields, and whether that is one of the two guys you mentioned, Bill Belichick or Jim Harbaugh, is that a better formula? Let me ask you this. You want Jim Harbaugh and Justin Fields, or you want Bill Belichick and Kirk Cousins? I want Jim Harbaugh and Justin Fields. There's no doubt about it. Look at the success that Jim Harbaugh has had in the NFL as a head coach. You remember who his quarterback was when they went to the Super Bowl? It's Colin Kaepernick. You could easily make the argument that Justin Fields is much more talented than Colin Kaepernick. Justin Fields' cap hit next year, if they trade for him, is $3.2 million. Think about that. Nothing. And then you have the fifth-year option. So what will probably happen is the Falcons trade a draft pick away. Would it be this year's number 8 overall pick? Would it be a 2025 first-round pick? Would it be a combination of a 2 and a 3 and a player? I don't know. But what you do is you get Justin Fields. You sign him to a contract extension. You pair him with Jim Harbaugh. The Falcons that's, are that's the odds-on favorite yeah, immediately in the NFC yeah, South next that's year. That's incredibly compelling. And I don't want to hear anybody tell just, me you don't know what the NFC South is going to be. Right. Well, I know who the quarterbacks are going to be, right. and I would like the Falcons a lot in that situation. I'm going to tell you this. That stadium will be jam-packed on opening day. You know and, how many primetime games you get? Do you know how many season tickets you're going to sell? If you go tell your fan base, here's our new head coach, here's the slide, Jim Harbaugh with the headset on one side of the slide, Justin Fields and Bijan on the other side. The three of you up there, that's your marketing campaign, right? Yeah. And you say, we got Tyler Andrews, we've got Bijan Robinson, we got Drake London, we got uh, um, uh, Chris Lindstrom and uh, Matt, uh, what is it? Matt Bergeron. Matt Bergeron, tremendous pick that He's was. He's selling Justin Fields jerseys Justin all over Fields, this city. Local kid, let me tell you something, they will have no issue Getting the fan base back and believing that Prime we can time make a games run. And hey, Arthur Blank, Rich McKay, Terry Fontenot, cut the check. Cut the check. Does Jim Harbaugh want to pick Atlanta? Let me just say this. Why, why wouldn't he? I keep yeah. hearing that. Why wouldn't he? Yeah, I mean, listen, I know this is Justin uh, Herbert in uh, Sandy in uh, LA. LA. It takes one player to be, oh, now you have a quarterback, right? It's not like, I mean, you, you're in Keenan a Keenan Allen's getting older. Mike Williams can't stay healthy. Austin Eckler, he's some, a great piece. They have some serious cap issues. They're an aging team, a fan base that really is non-existent. Charger fan base Cut the is check. nowhere. Cut the check. Go get Harbaugh. We'd be excited for sure. When we come back, hey, uh, kind of a good story happening in Athens. We're going to talk to a member of the Georgia Bulldogs. I covered his dad, Jabri Abdul-Rahim's dad, Sharif Abdul-Rahim. He'll join us. Dogs having a really good year, maybe headed to the tournament. We'll chat with him. We'll talk uh, some more college football with Drew, some NAL conversation. It's all part of the fastest two hours in radio. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. This is so exciting. Sounds like the bomb. Nope, we're not done. It's more of the steakhouse. On Sports Radio 92.9 The Game.
Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Steak Shapiro, Drew Butler, damn good dog sitting next to me. When's the last time you went to a uh, Georgia basketball game? Years ago. I got to get back, man. It's I'll a, be, I'll be in Athens tomorrow for a meeting. Maybe I'll just stay around and head to that LSU game. All right. You, you need to do that, and you need to understand what Mike White has going on. And I hope this guy, this, our next guest, doesn't take offense when you say it's been a few years. Joining us now, outstanding young college athlete Jabri Abdur Rahim um, coming off a 34-point night in Lexington, and they got LSU tomorrow night in Athens. Uh, thanks so much for being with us, Jabri. How are you this morning? Thank you for having me. I'm doing good. You guys are having fun this year. What's been the key to the turnaround of Georgia basketball? I think um, I think it's just, you know, Clark White um, kind of implementing just a, a culture um, that, you know, is, is selfless and um, just, just recruiting um, and, and keeping a bunch of really good dudes who, who really like to play basketball. I think that's been the key. And um, I think just our closeness off the court is really translating to, you know, some of the success we're having. So I think it's just a combination of those things. Let's talk about your dad real quick because I covered him for a number of years. So local mm-hmm. local kid here uh, ends up, uh, of course, going to Cal and then playing for the Hawks and playing in Vancouver, um, has a very successful professional NBA career. When do you understand as a kid your dad does something special, like playing pro basketball? Where did you grow up? Was it any time in Atlanta, Vancouver? Take us through the path of the Raheem basketball family. My first memories of, like, like anything was was in Atlanta. My dad was playing for the Hawks in 2002, and that's when I was born. So um, I don't really remember him playing much for the Hawks um, when he got traded to Sacramento. That's when I grew. I was a little older, and I was able to like really realize what he was doing. And not a lot of kids get to go to every single professional basketball game in their city. So that's when I kind of realized that he was doing something cool. Um, and I, I grew up um, wherever he was playing. So we went to Atlanta, and then he played in Portland. I just stayed in Atlanta while he did a year in Portland, and then my family moved to Sacramento, where he finished his career. Um, and then I ended up going to high school in New Jersey, where he moved because now he works. Um, You mentioned that you guys are having a lot of fun playing, and you really can tell when you watch dogs basketball. What can you guys learn from some of these close losses against top 10 teams like Tennessee and Kentucky where we can tell the effort, it's just coming up a little bit short, but then in other conference games, you're getting across with big wins? I think it just shows that we can play with anybody in the country, and we feel that way too. Uh, We felt that way all year. It's just showing now that we get to do it in front of a bunch of people. But, I mean, it's just only, it's only helping our confidence. You know, we feel like we, we have the talent and we have the team to be in these games with these top ten teams. And, you know, we expect to win every game we play. Um, you know, when we come up short, obviously it sucks. But, um, you know, just, just proving that, you know, we're able to play on that stage and we're able to, you know, compete. And, and we feel like we should win against these teams. So I think it's just, it's just going to help us, um, our, our confidence going in, especially going into March. It's a long season. Georgia's thirteen and five overall. You're three and two in SEC play, getting into the meat of the conference schedule right now. You talk to dogs hoops fans. Everybody wants to get back into the tournament. How much is that a focal point inside the locker room right now? Um, I mean, we you know we, we keep it in the back of our minds. I think everybody does. We're human, right? And we you know we, we have social media. We see all the tweets and the brackets and things like that. But 
our main thing is we try to just take one game at a time. Last week we were focused on Kentucky. This week um, we're focusing on LSU, and, and you know, we, we let whatever happens, happens. We let that stuff take care of itself. The most important thing we could do is just take it one game at a time and, and try and win every game that we play because the SEC is such a competitive league. It's going to be such a tough night. Every night if you get focused on the wrong things, that's when you can slip up and, and lose games to some of these really good teams. Georgia's Jabri Abdul-Rahim joining us. Talk about the portal, the NIL world, the way teams are really not playing together for three or four years when I grew up playing or your dad or whatever it was. Although your dad obviously was in the NBA pretty quick as well. Um, how, how much do you need a coach like Mike White to build chemistry quickly? What do you think about the new rules in college sports and how that affects trying to build a, a team uh, and, a, and a team that can go far in the tournament? Um, personally, I was a, a benefit of the uh, of the transfer portal rule. I came from Virginia after my freshman year of college, and I was able to play immediately and go find a, a situation that I thought would be better for myself. So I think there's some benefits and there's some downfalls to the transfer portal. Obviously, it can get a little crazy when you know people transferring mid- through the in the middle of the year or transferring to multiple schools like every single year. Um, I mean, that's just the reality of college basketball these days. It's a lot different. Um, it's a lot different even when I was in high school and I was growing up. But um, And then you got the NIL stuff, and you know, that makes things more complicated. But I think, you know, as far as us, Coach White has done a really good job of, like I said, recruiting really, really um, good players off the court, and, and that's really helped our chemistry on the court. We spend a lot of time together, and, you know, we have nine new guys. And, you know, it took us a while to get to know each other, but, you know, we took a trip to Italy this summer as a team, and that really helped. And, you know, we spent a lot of time together off the court. So at this point, I think our chemistry is extremely high. But um, I feel like that's not like the reality for every college basketball program. I think Coach White has done a good job of recruiting really good guys who just really like to play basketball. All right, let's talk about you and your dad's game, all right? I covered your dad. Um, how much have you watched highlights of his game in high school, college, and the pros? Um, let's And then take me through – what he did better than you and what you do better than him at what he'll admit to overall? Um, well, growing up, I used to watch his highlights all the time. Once I discovered YouTube, that's all I watched was basketball highlights. So I, I, did, a lot of, I did a lot of you know, research on, on his game. And, and once I really got serious about basketball, I went back and watched some games to, to see what he did. But when I was growing up, I remember him playing a little bit, and um, you know, he was obviously – Really, really good. He was he's he's really he's a lot taller than me though. So he's like a more of a power forward. I would say I'm more like a shooting guard, small forward yep. combo and and everybody in our family will admit that I'm a better shooter than him. I don't know <laughs> I don't I don't know if I'll get anything else. I probably right. won't get anything else. But shooting, I got him. Silky That's all I, That's all silky, I got. Silky smooth game he had though, right? I mean he was, Yeah, for sure. He had a silky smooth game, very fluid, um, Maybe not as physical at the power, but you're right. I mean, I, I don't think you want him shooting threes, and you're pretty comfortable out there. Uh, yeah, for sure. To say. But but back to the basket, like touch around the rim. Yeah, post um, up mid range game. Yeah, he's probably he's probably got me. Jabri, off the off the wall question right here. But how about last night with Joe LMB going for seventy and Carl Anthony yeah. Towns going for sixty two? I mean, what do you think about that as a guy who's grinding night in and night out in the SEC? I think um, I think it just speaks to. I'm always amazed. I enjoy watching NBA. I'm just always amazed at the skill level that those guys have. Um, like Carl Anthony Towns made ten threes. Um, I think it's when he insane. had sixty. So yeah, it's crazy. Joel Embiid seventy points, eighteen rebounds. That's that is crazy. I was watching some of the highlights, and it's like some of the stuff that they're able to do. Like they move like guards, and they're seven feet tall. So it's just it's just really really crazy. And 
noticing like the difference between that and college basketball, just how how high of a how high of a level it is. Basketball. As a fan, I'm just I'm just so appreciative of of what those guys are able to do. It's really crazy. Did you, uh, t- uh, by the way, talking to uh, J- uh, Jabri Abdul Rahim, one of uh, the dogs' best players this year, as they're off to a great start um, in the SEC. Have you met Anthony Edwards? Yeah, I know him. We were actually in the same high school class. Um, so we went to a lot of the same tournaments and camps, and we became pretty good friends. He reclassed <laughs> up, so he got to college before I did, but I definitely know him pretty well. What do you, what, what, like, are you blown away? Did you know when you played him at 12? or 14 or whatever it was, that this kid's game is at another level? Yeah, I knew he was always really, really good. Um, it's just it's crazy to see what he was able to do at Georgia in one year and then what he's doing in the NBA. I mean, everybody knew he was really good, but I don't know if anybody expected him to be like looking crazy. to be one of the best players in no, the NBA. I, yeah. So he's, he's really, really good. Um, I'm just I'm really happy for his success. And I'm just, I'm, I love his game. I'm just really impressed with what he's been able to do. All right, uh, big SEC game coming up. I mean, the SEC's loaded, man. Just talk about real quick, and we got to go. Auburn, Tennessee, Kentucky, Bama, LSU. Uh, Miss State has been ranked. Gators are ranked. A&M ranked. I mean, the league is a beast. Yeah. I mean, I, I, as, a, as a competitor, um, as a person who you know works hard, as a person who loves to play, is exactly what you want. You know, you get to play against the best of the best. I, Coach White. Um, and I believe the same thing. It's the best league in the country. So, like I said, every single night, there's no off night. Um, you got to go hard every single game. And I mean, it's, it's, it's what you love. Competition. The road environments are amazing. The home environments are amazing. It's the best time of the year. And, and it's a really good year for the SEC. And I'm just enjoying playing such high-level basketball. All right. Say hi to your dad. And uh, good luck tomorrow night against LSU. Drew, you think maybe you can be, you know, uh, I got three magnet. kids, but I, you know, I can, I can got, make, yeah, I can make a move a little bit. Well, yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna be there in the next couple of weeks for, for sure. sure. And everybody okay. listening, go watch Georgia basketball. Absolutely, right? appreciate you guys. See you, buddy. Thanks, Jabri. You know, he brings up a great yeah. point. Nine new guys this year, but it takes great leadership around a program like Georgia basketball. Head coach Mike White, one of the great SIDs out there, Mike Mobley, who helped us set that interview up. John Bateman, who's involved with the men's basketball program. They just got good guys around the program, and I think that's why athletic director Josh Brooks wanted to bring a guy like Mike White in in this new era I loved the hire. I mean, Georgia, (laughs) I don't care if Florida didn't want him. I loved the hire. Absolutely. The guy went to the tournament almost every year with the Gators. Listen, you don't get two or three years to build a program and to get juniors and seniors. Mike White has to throw those guys together, get into the heart of a absolute beast of a conference and find a way to start winning games. Now, get some collective money in there. Yeah. Get some recruits in there as well in the high school, which they have done now. Uh, coming in next year. Put their some best capital in the Stegman Coliseum, which they've done. Yes. You know, they've really made an, an investment into Georgia men's basketball. Listen, Bruce Pearl was rolling in here, right? Uh, what's Alabama's coach? Nate, Nate, uh, Nate, Oates. Nate Oates was rolling in here. Um, Florida's always recruited in, in, in Atlanta. Um, Kentucky, all these programs. Like, you can't have all your SEC rivals come in and grab the best players out of Atlanta, and they're starting to close that gap. They're in a great place. I'm going to tell you, Drew, because Tech, tech unfortunately, is nowhere. I mean, it's not happening this year. David Stoudemire, they're not making the tournament. Um, It would take, uh, you know, they have to win like 9 of 10, and that's not happening. Georgia's the best shot we have. They're going to make the tournament this year. I mean, I'd write that down. They they will make the NCAA tournament this year. They're, They're... they're three and two right now. Yeah, in the conference. 
13 and 5 overall. I, I'm just close telling. losses to Tennessee and Kentucky okay. if that means okay, anything. You got to get quad one wins. Yeah. You got to get quad one wins. Don't jinx them. Don't just sit here and say like it's over, right? I mean, that's exactly they, what I'm saying. They got some work to do. Hey, the tailgate, by the way, is brought to you by All Four Seasons Garage and Entry Doors. When we come back, th- there's never been anything like the entertainment value in the United States of America around the National Football League. The numbers from the weekend are like insane. Like what? What does well? Like Abbott Elementary? That's a very popular primetime show, right? I think, like. Back in the day, that's the show you go, oh, they're getting great ratings. The NFL takes everything else on television and literally lays it by the side of the road and just runs it over. Yeah, Roger Goodell is smiling. Yes, he is. There's no question yeah. about that. The, you know, Daddy's getting a big <laughs> bonus this year. It's crazy. We'll come back and uh, take care of some NFL conversation. The uh, 9 o'clock hour is brought to you by Advanced Hair Restoration. One-day treatment, life-changing results, advancedhair.com. Uh, We're coming back, talk NFL, a little bit of uh, college football as well. Sports Radio 92.9.